Hey everybody, it is Monday, March 30th, 2020, and you're listening to an episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I am your host, Brad Hazeldyke, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever. On today's episode, we'll kind of touch on, well, I guess, news. There's things going on, despite uh, all of the pandemic scenarios unfolding in the United States as well as around the world. So we'll talk a little bit about the new Genesis G80. Uh, We'll touch on some of the launch details for the Land Rover Defender. Uh, And then I think it's just as good of a time as ever to kind of just talk about what's going on. Uh, Dates and times and launches and events are sliding all around the place. So uh, yeah, there is a lot to talk about. Uh, So to kind of kick things off, I guess we'll start with at least the good news, which is, uh, well, car... Cars are still going to be coming out, uh, regardless of what's going on uh, around the world. There is still car news to discuss, and the Genesis GV80 is, uh, excuse me, not the GV80, but the regular G80 is the one to talk about. Uh, It's been known for a while that Genesis is revamping their current lineup of vehicles, uh, and the first car to get that uh, touch of new design and new uh, intricate bodywork was, of course, the G90 sedan. Then we had the GV80 uh, SUV launch earlier this year. Now we're having the new G80 sedan uh, unveiled and apparently will be ready for sale later this year. What you're getting more or less is an evolution of the current rear-wheel drive platform that underpins, well, the G90, the G80. I believe that same platform is related to the one that's under the GV80 as well as the Stinger Uh, and I think even the G70. I think it's all the same basic bits underneath. Uh, So unsurprisingly, of course, we're seeing an evolution of the current powertrains uh, made available across the lineup as well. The G80 will be dropping the choice of a V8 engine. Uh, That'll stay in the G90 sedan. Uh, The G80 will move down to a standard 2.5 liter turbocharged inline four making about 300 horsepower uh note that that's the same base engine in the gv80 suv and they will also be offering a turbocharged three and a half liter v6 again pulled from the gv80 uh that makes i think it's like 400 horsepower somewhere around there uh more or less they're saying that this twin turbo v6 is going to give enough v8 power it's going to make people happy enough uh, it sounds like uh, they learned a lot on the old 3.3 liter twin turbo V6, uh, so this is the next step forward. Uh, the standard transmission will be an 8-speed automatic. It's the same corporate 8-speed automatic used in, well, the rest of the Genesis lineup. So you're really not seeing too much change there, at least in terms of the GV80 to the G80, uh, but it is a big step up, I'd say, compared to the outgoing car. Now, the actual vehicle itself does get all of the new styling and design touches that the G90 and the GV80 had benefited with. Uh, So that includes the winged uh, line styling that goes from the headlights down the side with the indicators and into the taillights. The interior is also going to look strikingly similar to the GV80 SUV in the G80 sedan. Again, not too many changes. It's the big 10.25-inch touchscreens mounted high on the dashboard. It's the really uh, well-done leather appointments, the high craftsmanship with the aluminum or the wood. Uh, it's it's really a unique-looking vehicle compared to, say, BMW and Mercedes that it's going up against. And really, I think a lot of people are kind of drinking the Kool-Aid now at this point. Uh, Between the G90, the GV80, and now the G80, it really looks like Genesis knows what they want to do, 
where they want to go, and they're going to take the fight to the premium world brands as best they can. So all things considered, uh, when's it going on sale? It sounds like it's going to be the end of 2020, if not early 2021. Uh, they'll be selling it in South Korea first, and then it will make its way to the United States not long after. Uh, this, of course, assumes that production possibilities are kicked back up to speed. Uh, so many other things, but, you know, for right now, uh, plan is later this year. Uh, Pricing-wise, I don't think they're expecting a big shift up or down compared to the current car, so you're still going to start around $50-ish thousand dollars and max out closer to $60-70, depending on what kind of trim things you get. I think it's maybe $60-ish where this thing stops and then the G90 starts, so uh, it'll stay roughly about the same. But considering how much of an improvement is over the outgoing car, uh, I think, you know, you'd be spending your money pretty wisely choosing it over, say, I don't know, a comparable Mercedes or BMW. Now, one of the other big launches that I know I'm at least particularly interested in is the Land Rover Defender. I've talked about it a lot on the show before, how I firmly believe that it is going to be a much better choice to buy a stripped-out Defender than it would be to buy a loaded Jeep Wrangler, and uh, based on all of the initial reviews and other information that's coming out, uh, I'm still sticking to that point. A bunch of different publications, websites, uh, YouTube channels, so many other things. They all got to go uh, to Namibia in Africa. They got to drive the Defender 110 uh, across a big section of southwestern Africa. And uh, all things considered, it looks like the new Defender is just as capable uh, as many people expected. Uh, The new Defender is based on a similar chassis to the current Land Rover Discovery. It's an evolution of that chassis that's meant to be a little bit more robust. Uh, This new Defender is a unibody construction. It is no longer a ladder frame chassis. Uh, It has a fully independent front and rear suspension instead of, uh, well, leaf springs, solid axles, front and rear. Uh, Really, the main takeaway is that this new Defender is a much more civilized and still very capable vehicle uh, compared to really anything else out on the road. Uh, Land Rover is, uh, at least in terms of what they brought to this thing, some of them were kitted out pretty extreme, other ones are a little more stripped down, uh, based on every video review, magazine article, and other things that I've read, uh, almost nobody had an issue with it, uh, it sounds like it, uh, other than some pop tires and maybe losing a little bit of grip here and there, uh, when trying to ford a river, uh, these things got through unscathed. Now, of course, Landover being Landover, they knew exactly what they were doing. They're not going to put this thing in any more danger than they would anywhere else. There's been a bit of a hubbub online where uh, a couple of the English reviewers were talking in a in a video about how a Wrangler couldn't do what this Defender was doing, and of course, the American journalists lost their shit. So, I you know, I I genuinely feel like the the big thing to think about here is that. Somebody who's buying a Defender knows exactly what they want. They want something that's much more luxurious, uh, something that's going to have a little bit more craftsmanship built in. Uh, It's not your drunk uncle down in Toledo uh, screwing together a Wrangler and hoping it holds up. It's, uh, you know, some people who are screwing these together by hand in the UK, for the most part, uh, that are going to be building these. Just the same, these Land Rovers are going to have, you know, in many cases, I think the majority that you're going to find here in the U.S. are going to be equipped with, you know, air suspensions, uh, really high-tech infotainment systems, uh, really genuinely high-quality luxury features that Jeep really can't 
offer for the money. Now, that being said, a very luxed-up Jeep Wrangler is a relatively nice place to be in some cases, uh, but I still, I mean, even a stripped-down, basic Land Rover Defender 110X, a base trim model uh, with, you know, cloth seats, all that stuff, it's still going to be quieter. It's still going to ride better than a Jeep because, well, they give a shit. And, you know, it's going to feel like a nice car out on the highway instead of a Jeep that's going to be a rolling death trap. Now, going toe-to-toe off-road, you know, I think it's really going to depend on what you want to do with which vehicle is going to be better. Uh, the Wrangler, of course, has available front and rear locking differentials, uh, you know, let alone the locking center diff. The Land Rover is only offering a locking center and rear differential, and then it uses a traction control system to manage that even further. Uh, I think in most scenarios, going off-road, going over uh, rough terrain, going you know, doing some basic rudimentary rock climbing, you know, doing a lot of things that most people would feel comfortable to do, a Defender's probably going to be able to keep up with a Wrangler just as well. Uh, it's when you get into the super technical, crazy rock crawling stuff, that's when the Jeep might start walking away just because it's got the disconnectable sway bar and the solid axles. Uh, that, I think, is going to make it a little bit more of a off-road friendly choice but those are extreme 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 situations and in the end i think the defender is still the one to get at 50 to 60 thousand dollars so when are these things going to start showing up well apparently it's roughly about now ish uh these things should be shipping from the uk uh around the world late spring early summer uh, we're gonna, apparently, the, I guess the first allotment that was supposed to be going out to do things, uh, was pulled back in the UK to be used as hospital uh, and, uh, other working vehicles in the UK. Uh, so we'll see yet again if the coronavirus puts any major delay on the launch of this vehicle. It is obviously a crucial one for JLR, uh, just because, uh, well, JLR is not exactly the most profitable company in the world uh, at any time. And with this coronavirus stuff going on, I'm sure things are pretty dire overall. Now, I guess, of course, it's as good a time as any time to talk about what's going on in the world of the automobile in terms of the coronavirus. And boy, oh boy, is it a big doozy. Uh, here in Michigan, uh, the big three have basically closed down all of their manufacturing facilities inside the United States. I don't believe it's every single one, but it's the majority of them. Uh, a lot of these plants have either been idled or just shut down completely. Uh, some plants, however, are being utilized right now to begin to produce uh, plastic face shields. Uh, in some places, uh, at least I think Ford is making uh, face shields and ventilators. Uh, the Ford units in particular are using uh, redesigned F-150 bits, uh, at least for the ventilators. I guess it's like things like the seat ventilators. They're, they're repurposing in these machines to be able to move air uh, for these uh, individuals. They're also reusing other design bits uh, from other cars and trucks uh, to be, basically be able to make these as fast as they can for as cheap as they can. Uh, Ford is saying they're going to be able to produce 50,000 ventilators uh, by the middle of April or so, within the next couple of weeks. Uh, that's pretty unprecedented. Ford's pretty proud of what they're doing. I think a lot of people are. I think they're kind of the unsung hero of the three right now, just because I think GM is getting a lot more attention. 
Uh, GM themselves reached out to uh, an independent company. They're working with another one to also build ventilators. They initially promised as many as 10,000. They rolled that number back. Now they're being pushed back up again. Uh, GM, I think, is making their ventilators down in Indiana at a truck plant, if I remember correctly. That's the one in Kokomo, which I think is the one that builds the Sierra and the Silverado. Uh, I think GM said they're going to start delivering mid-April as well, um, but that's not entirely clear how that's all working. Fiat Chrysler is apparently making medical masks. I'm not sure how long, far along they are, but they were saying that they would be able to make up to 10,000, I think, a day or 100,000 a week or something like that. It was a pretty obscene number. Uh, no idea where those masks are or are not going, but Fiat Chrysler is, I think, doing those just outside of Detroit. Uh, this, of course, means that, you know, while these plants are otherwise idled, uh, cars are not being built, and a lot of people are out of work, and that is a big mess in many parts of the country where people are depending on now uh, unemployment checks to live day to day. And while there are no cars being made, uh, there are also no cars being sold. Uh, we got the kind of tail or the tippy-top edge of the uh, car sales figures at the beginning or middle of this past month, and sales were starting to nosedive uh, already. Uh, typically, the car sales reports kind of have a little bit of a delay with what's going on. Initial reports were saying that uh, dealerships were seeing 40 to 50% dives in you know, attendance, usage of their repair facilities, uh, enough to be able to go through at least initially, um, but long-term might not be a super great situation to be dealing with. Uh, stories are ran today on Jalopnik and a couple other websites talking about how auto sales now are dipping by 80% or more. Uh, we're seeing dealerships, uh, at least in terms of repair facilities, being cut by 80-90% of what they normally would be doing uh, and how if this gets any worse, uh, dealerships don't know how they're going to, going to be staying open. Uh, at least here in the U.S., uh, many places in the central and southern United States are still operating for the most part. But here in the Midwest and on the East Coast, things are pretty much completely shut down when it comes to cars and car dealerships. Over in the UK, apparently one of the biggest uh, car dealership chains shut down a bunch of locations. They're also beginning to shut down some of their ones here in the United States. Uh, thousands and thousands of workers are going to be losing their jobs because of this. Uh, and again, the ball continues to roll downhill. The big question is, if this thing gets solved as soon as, you know, earliest projections, maybe May early June, uh, before things start to quote-unquote normalize, uh, how quickly can dealerships, car companies, and other things ramp things back up? Uh, people have to, of course, be buying cars in order for there to be demand to make cars, and of course there needs to be cars being made for these car companies to be able to make any money. And if this isn't happening in some kind of, you know, uh, simpatico kind of situation, uh, there's no real restart to the automobile industry. And with so many new cars launching in 2020 and so many key vehicles being uh, analyzed for future development and other things, uh, it's kind of hard to know what exactly is going on. And of course, the ball continues to get kicked downfield when it comes to new car announcements and other things. Now, Kia and Hyundai and other car companies are going online to kind of do some of these things. As I talked about the G80 earlier, that was an online announcement. Uh, they did the new 
Hyundai uh, Elantra recently or online. Uh, these car companies, you know, they're, they're getting around it as best they can. But uh, the truth of the matter is the auto shows are basically eliminated till fall at this point. Uh, the Detroit Auto Show got canceled as of today. The TCF Center in downtown Detroit, better known as Cobble Hall to anybody else who has, well, any experience being in the state of Michigan, uh, is being turned into a field hospital for the city of Detroit. I believe the city of Detroit is now the second highest number of uh, coronavirus cases here in the United States. Uh, so they are going to need that space pretty quickly to start housing individuals who need attention. Uh, because of that, they know that they're not going to be able to do anything related to the auto show uh, that was currently planned for June at this point. Uh, that's not a huge shock to a lot of people. A lot of people didn't really know how Detroit was going to be doing this really at all, uh, simply because, well, this is a whole new Detroit auto show. Uh, there was really no way of knowing what was going to be happening, and uh, Detroit just decided, eh, nope, we're done. We're not going to do it in 2020, and now people are already wondering if 2021 will even happen at this point, uh, just because if people start to go, hey, you know, car announcements are better than car shows, uh, this might be the end. Where we're at right now in terms of calendar space in the coming week or so would be the New York Auto Show. That's been postponed, I believe, until September. September. Uh, the Los Angeles Auto Show is still on for November, um, but there's no telling if that would be bumped at any point or not. Uh, but the other big thing is that the racing calendar, car show calendar, other things uh, that are typically scheduled for May and June are starting to get bumped as well. Uh, things like the Indianapolis 500 have been moved to September. Uh, the whole entirety of the F1 calendar, NASCAR calendar, has been moved back until June. Uh, the Olympics just got canceled as of today. Uh, that's moving to 2021. There's just a lot of questions about how or why anything is going to happen in 2020. Uh, and, you know, it's it's sad it's it's disruptive but it is something that unfortunately does need to happen and it uh it's going to be a weird year as somebody who's into cars who's into car news who wants to go see and drive these new cars uh there's really not going to be much of an opportunity for it and you know it's it's trying times, I think, for a lot of people. You know, just being like, hey, there's no new news to talk about uh, is one thing. Boo-hoo me. Uh, but when people's lives are on the line and when, you know, you don't want to get sick, obviously it's not a good idea to have these large events and other things like that. So all of that kind of being said, uh, news stuff out of the way, uh, it's one of those things right now where it's... Difficult to say what this show's going to be doing over the next couple of weeks. Uh, as car news kind of happens, we'll kind of talk about things, uh, but we're going to kind of be making stuff up as we go. So don't be surprised if we've got a couple episodes of the Salvage Title podcast coming up that uh, talk about some of the different categories of cars, trucks, and SUVs that are on sale right now. Uh, I, I don't know if the car buyer's guide thing needs to be coming back, but we'll definitely find a way to kind of talk about some different categories. I was thinking about, you know, the other night, it would be good to discuss it in terms of, uh, you know, think picking a price point, you know, maybe if you want to spend 25 grand, uh, what kind of car SUV or truck do you get at those price points and maybe move it on up a slide and pick, you know, 
couple of different options in each category or would it be better to you know just stick to different brands and other things and you know that's the thing is uh, there's a lot of different kinds of stuff like that right now on the internet and you know what am i doing to add to any of that at this point uh who really knows uh just the same it might be kind of fun to go through some of the classified ads that are out there right now uh i'm still car shopping for a vehicle on my own but of course you know that's not going to happen until a full-time job gets acquired and right now with the way the market is uh that's probably not going to happen until the end of the summer at this point so who knows what's going to happen there but uh just as i've been kind of monitoring things online i've definitely noticed a little bit of a dip in pricing when it comes to a lot of used vehicles uh at least based on some of the wording with some of the car dealerships here locally that have ads listed online uh they are still desperate for business any kind of business i think they want to turn over some of their inventory in some cases uh, despite the healthcare risks, uh, business must go on, at least for these car, car dealerships and other places. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the impact will be for car prices going forward. Uh, there was a story today that was talking about uh, car sales in China. And uh, with China, you know, slowly coming back online within the past couple of weeks, uh, car companies are starting to push out vehicles that uh, have been sitting in dealership lots for the past three or four months. And uh, some of these uh, places are taking, you know, tens of thousands of won off of sticker prices uh, just to get people in the door to buy something, anything, uh, to make it so that the factories can start churning out cars again. And the question, of course, becomes here in the U.S., uh, how likely is it that GM, Ford, Chrysler, Volkswagen, Toyota, Honda, anybody is going to start putting 10, 12, 15,000 plus dollars on the hood of some of these vehicles just to get them out the door? Because we are about to hit the turning point for the 2021 model year, and uh, these car companies don't want to have these things sitting around. And, you know, I, I definitely. I'm curious to see if if there's going to be some really sweet deals out there. Uh, you know, the car companies are already saying right now that you can do 72-month 0% interest financing and not pay for the first three months uh, that you own the car. That sounds like a good deal in some respects, but in others, you know, you're kind of trapped in a car loan at that point for six years. Um, I, or actually, no, is that more than six years? That's a while. Anyway, math is hard. Uh... I know that is six years. Oh my gosh. Anyway, uh, it's it's uh, it's gonna be interesting because you know, like, think of it this way: if you wanted to buy a Toyota Camry, you know, Toyota Camry's what twenty five, twenty seven, thirty. We'll just call it thirty thousand dollars. That's a pretty fair price for a nicely equipped Camry. Uh, Toyota's gonna want to be getting rid of the Camrys pretty soon uh, because the twenty twenty ones are gonna be coming this fall. Uh, you start putting those kinds of deals on a Camry, you know how good a Camry is you know, come get one, come take one. We want your business kind of thing. And if you're taking, you know, five, seven, 10 plus percent, you know, maybe even more than that, 20% off the price of one, uh, you're getting a screaming deal. And I think we're going to start seeing that a lot more. The curious thing is going to be with used cars. I'm already seeing some used car prices starting to take a little bit of a slide. We're not talking about big dips, um, but I'm definitely seeing people who have inventory start to, you know, try to get rid of it. Uh, there are some, I think, local used car dealers who maybe can get by with not selling too much right now. Uh, but, you know, I think individuals 
uh, I think are definitely looking to get rid of things if they're thinking about it. And, you know, if you can make that sacrifice to not have a car or not have a car payment, I think some people are going to be willing to do it, especially while they're uh, not having any work going on right now. So we shall see what's going on. But anyway, guys, I'm going to try to keep this episode relatively short. Uh, so whenever there's some news or some interesting things to talk about, maybe this week, maybe next week, I'll be sure to uh, put out another episode. Until next time, guys, I hope you have a great week. Stay safe, wash your hands, you do all that stuff, uh, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. Thank you.